Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hi, I'm Emily. I'm 31. Nicknamed the Pass Out Princess, my dream job was to be in a Gap commercial, and I had a crush on one of the cats from the musical Cats as a kid. I'm Margot. My age is TBD. I love Domino's pizza. I'm allergic to black olives. And one time, I met Trey Cool from Green Day in a bathroom. Well, it's us, and we're back. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Truly stupid. I like, know. the dumbest. I feel like yours were way better than mine. I know. I went through, like, the, the crush em- from a cat the from cats. Ba- How the most embarrassing ones I could think of, because I looked at all of those. Well, at least yours wasn't, I once burned down a house as a child. Wait, did you really? No, not me. I was supposed to be like, okay, true. Oh, like that one chick. You're like, oh my God, are we on, are we in the movie Unforgettable right now? (laughs) We're about to be like, wow, this episode of Next took a real dark turn. (laughs) I guess this is no longer MTV reality part two, but behind the scenes of Firestarter in real life. You were the inspiration of for Drew Barrymore's it's wh- classic. It's though. why I have such a deep connection to her. <laughs> we, of course, we are old millennials. Uh, welcome back to our podcast. We are a deep dive on shallow topics from the late 90s and early 2000s. We are your hosts. I'm Emily. I'm Margot. And today we are, of course, talking about a more of the MTV reality show Canon. Canon cinematic universe. <laughs> Everything is a cinematic universe. You know what? Thank you, Disney. <laughs> yeah, thank you for buying up so much stuff and convincing it. It's convincing all of us it's not a monopoly, it's a cinematic universe. This weekend they announced a Star Wars collaboration with Le Creuset, like the Dutch oven company. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay. So it's getting, the, the cinematic universe is getting out of control. We are peak cinematic universe. We are peak cinematic universe. So we are talking today about the plethora of reality shows on MTV during the early to mid 2000s and even late a little bit that centered around dating, but not just any type of dating, not like our bachelors or our Joe millionaires. We're talking short, sporadic basically what tinder was before we had tinder i mean they also weren't they weren't hour-long dramas they were half-hour comedies yes. i would argue and i think what a lot of them 
all of the shows that we're going to be talking about today are kind of what they have in common is that none of them are readily available anywhere. No. Of, I don't know about you, but a majority of the clips that I saw on YouTube were all people literally filming their TV. Like, I literally got to watch somebody yes. scroll through yes. their DVR. Yes. And then somebody once rebooted their direct TV. Yes. I, I honestly... <laughs> It was a, truly a time capsule. It, it really felt like I was in a different time. The only time I could ever find anything close to a full episode or, you know, something of that sort was if it was someone's episode. Like some YouTube, there was like a YouTube cosplay person who was like the token goth cosplay chick on an episode of Room Raider. So she put her entire segment onto a YouTube video, but... Like, it wasn't the full episode. It was just her segments. Oh, right. I also had a full episode, but only one person segment. I'll get into it. It was for tail daters. And honestly, the twist, I don't want to spoil it because it's it's actually kind of satisfying. <laughs> Sometimes YouTube deep dives can pay off in strange ways. Indeed. But all of the shows that we are going to talk about today have something else in common. They all fall into near identical categories. Yes. They mirror each other because they also, each show we talk about kind of has a mirroring format. Yes. I feel like they really didn't differentiate too hard between these different shows. There's definitely an element of, okay, so the first iteration of this worked out okay. Here's what we liked about it. Here's what we didn't. Because a lot of the same producers do stints on these shows. So right. A lot like, of them were like shared producer exactly. credits. It's sort of like a, a high-powered Silver Fox CEO constantly upgrading his wife. That's <laughs> kind of like what it felt like going through the threads that connect all of these yeah. shows together and they are they were all kind of greenlit within a year of each other it was really insane yeah but i think it was that post economic crash money that kind of revitalized the genre in a way that they didn't foresee it happening especially since most of these shows again another thing they have in common besides these categories they fall into is that they were all made for like seven dollars they were the production value on these shows is banana. Go into it more later, but it is like bananas that I'm like I could have produced this show. No, you. My high school job at the time of between babysitting and working at Aeropostale, I could have been a producer on this show. Emily, we could money. we could easily remake this show on our phones yes. for the same amount of money, and it would look way better. And our writing would be significantly better than some of the lines. I don't know. I, I have said. to say, okay, so I know that all of these are incredibly scripted. But I found it to be charming in this sort of leave it to beaver kind of, oh, do you remember when we used to speak to each yeah. other this way? Even the, like, deeply misogynistic things that people were saying, I was like, this is quaint yeah. compared to all of the shit that you fucking hear now. It's true. It's true. And there is a little bit of, like, aw, thanks, Mom. <laughs> like, and But it's after she's, you know, shared that she, this girl, her daughter has a great ass and boobs or something. And I know. Like, a lot of it is. she <laughs> shucks, Mom. Like you said about that contestant from next to you're like I'm all about titties <laughs> and you're like I wish some dude on Twitter would say that he's just all about titties and not be weird about it in a world where on Bachelor episodes everyone talks about being here for the right reasons I do appreciate <laughs> that those cast on the TV shows like next and date my mom were up front with what they were looking for no, titties no <laughs> curtain no smoke and mirrors your titties just all about them titties. <laughs> so the categories uh, that all of these shows fall under are real life Tinder, which next and dismissed is very much that. Yes. 
borderline crimes <laughs> because yeah. uh, Room Raiders was definitely breaking and entering and Tail Daters was 100% stalking. Yes. And parents just don't understand with Date My Mom and parental control. And what's interesting is, like we were talking about earlier, they definitely, one usually comes out right after the other one and is like a slightly better more realistic version or like a 2.0 in some ways. Yeah, there are things that I feel like they learn lessons from don't let contestants be too involved or update these graphics to look like this because tail daters, oh my fucking God, dude. It was like somebody got really high, watched The Wire, and was like, you know what? We need to do a dating put it in a beeper and you're like wait what no No, the graphics emily were out of this world they were yeah i mean this is clearly some intern freshman year who's just learned you know photoshop final cut only an intern could have edited this show together yes yes and i think like even like though my first show that i'm gonna talk about was dismissed i mean just the feeling and the awkward segues you're just like Everybody was trying it out. It was the wild, wild west. It was like we all worked on singled out at one point or another, but we're really going to try this out in the wild for the first time. Was Dismissed chock full of uh, singled out producers? Yes, Dismissed was full of singled out producers. It aired from 2001 to 2005. It has one and a half stars on imdb.com. All of these. What does that mean? Slightly better than Date My Mom. Half a star better. Wait, Dave Mom has one star. Yes. Oh, no. It's co-created by Tim Hedrick, David Ellenberg, and Mike Nichols. And no, not that Mike Nichols of the graduate fame. Even though you warned me about that before we started recording, I immediately went there. Despite knowing this, upon hearing you say it, Mike Nichols, you can't help it. If it were date my mom, it would be so apropos. But even still, it's like, well, maybe he was trying to get in on this MTV reality yeah, show he, money. He's down and out on his career. It's the 2000s. Ooh, I mean, passive income, Emily. <laughs> AMC isn't airing The Graduate as much as they used to. <laughs> but the executive producer, a main executive producer on the show uh, was Calissa Miller, who had been a producer on MTV's 90s hit dating show, Singled Out, which was hosted, of course, by noted anti-vaxxer Jenny McCarthy. Um, oh, God. And failed red carpet show host. Oh, dear God. But now she's Mrs. Donnie Wahlberg. She's married to Donnie Wahlberg of New Kids on the Block. She is, she and Mark she Wahlberg is a, are brother and sister-in-law. She is a Wahlberger. She is, she is heir, heiress to the Wahlberger the franchise. <laughs> oh god fuck her and notorious shitty person chris harrison oh so Calissa miller had worked on singled out along with a lot of the other producers on uh, these shows and then went on to create dismissed along with tim hedrick david ellenberg and mike nichols the premise <laughs> is pretty simple one main person has sorry to- do you think mike nichols of dismiss has to go around saying i'm not that mike nichols alive i'm surprised there's no initial in the name <laughs> like maybe mike d nichols you know what i mean like i feel like you would have to be like kind of like michael b jordan has to i don't know i don't know Ar- arguably michael jordan is a little bit tougher to pull off than mike That's nichols true. i feel like we have what is it from office space like a michael bolton oh, situation yeah, on our hands <laughs> yeah i think it's one of those So the premise on this show is that one main person has to take two people out on a date simultaneously. (laughs) Each of the contestants picks a place for their date, and during the date, each of the contestants has a timeout card that they can use to have 20 minutes of alone time 
with the dismisser, if you will. They're all contestants, but I guess I figured the main dater would be the dismisser. But it's kind of like the, can I have some time alone with him? Oh my God, I love that. But it has an official card assigned to it, unlike... Can I steal you for a minute? Can I steal you for a minute? Oh my God, kill me now. Okay, (laughs) great. Testing the vocal fry quality on this microphone. So with those... The Yeti doesn't deserve that. (laughs) It sure doesn't. At the end of the dates, the person will pick out the contestant that they want to keep and go on a long-term date with and dismisses the other contestant. Each of those episodes would have two dates. So you would have, because I think this one was was only heterosexual couples, if I recall correctly. So this was 15 minutes of the 30-minute time slot was devoted to one guy going on a date with two girls, and then the other 15 minutes would be a girl going on a date with two guys. It's insane how much they packed in. And honestly, with commercials, it's like a 22-minute episode. So 11 minutes. So much has to go down. It's It's, a lot of We talk a lot of shit about The Bachelor being like six weeks or whatever where you have to quote-unquote fall in love and get engaged. But Dismissed and Next and Room Raiders, all these shows and Tail Daters have nothing on The Bachelor. You have to make up your mind in 20 minutes. It is real life. It's Tinder on a TV show. You make up your opinion on this. The, the, it the has date, a real swipe feel. Real swipe feel. Especially like, next where yes. you can literally You've say yell next at a person. Several op- options on the bus still. Mm-hmm. And that's the interesting thing with this is like. It's options. Options. <laughs> Having, calling out the fact that you have options. <laughs> options. That's what all of these dating shows should have been called. I have options. I have options. (laughs) I think one of the, like, BuzzFeed pieces that I was reading about this was saying something like, you know, this taught a bunch of young people that you don't have to be tied to one person as a teenager. (laughs) You have options out there. (laughs) Again, this should be options. Options. Options for youth, like the defunct homeschooling bungalows that were on the corner of my best friend's street growing up. (laughs) Options Uh, for youth. Slutty uh, youth. Options for slutty youth. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that would have been a show. Oh I would have my god! In Where for. is my angel investor? Ugh, make it happen. So the show dismissed was eventually reformatted to become Next, which you will talk about. But I wanted to point out a few things. So this show only lasted, it lasted for four years, but there were not that many episodes. Oh, really? Yeah, it wasn't, um, because it it went off the air for a bit and then back on the air. So I think they Around what time? Around, like, the writer's strike? Yeah, yeah. And I think, like, uh, there were so many, around 2005 is when they were starting to, like, retool to become Next. So it was like they were airing the remaining episodes that they had Ah, I see. Yeah. And so budget, obviously, as we've talked about before. 42 cents. 42 cents. I rewatched a few episodes. And there is one that was that stands out. And I'd forgotten about this episode. But there's one where one guy's dating two female contestants. And one of those girls expresses that she is also attracted to the other contestant and tries to casually initiate a threesome in the hot tub. Like, and basically just admits, like, she finds her hot. And then the other girl's like, well, I'm not really into that. The budget, obviously, in this case was they went to a roller rink for date one. And date two was the girl, the other girl picked, was at her parents' pool. So they went to her parents' house. What? And went into the hot tub there. That's where they did date two. So then she's the one who gets dismissed. And she's like, well, guys, you got to go because this is my house. And it's just (laughs) like unhinged i'm like this is not that's so awkward like mtv didn't one have the money to rent a pool that was not emily why is that shocking to you no you're right you're absolutely again a four dollar budget four dollar budget you gotta oh oh are your parents this is like if your shitty friend in high school that's like oh are your parents cool with this coming over cool cool and then they invite like 10 other people that you did not agree to exactly that's what it's like to like get involved with mtv yeah 
Oh, you have a trampoline in the backyard. That'll make a great second date. Let's just transition. Let's not all file back into the van. You know, the PA already set up snacks at the table. Let's just... You know, let's just stay here. Are your parents cool? Let's just give your parents a $40 gift card to Cheesecake Factory, there and they go. can, like, and have can, a great time. We and we'll just be here until, like, midnight. We'll just be here till like, midnight or, like, maybe 2 a.m. or maybe not 4 a.m. You know, not a big deal. But, like, we'll, we'll be out. We'll knock we'll, on a few doors. Make we'll, sure the neighbors know what's up. Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> and, like, we're definitely not going to throw away all this trash. But we're going to definitely leave it all here. Okay, bye. Bye. That's our oh, episode, folks. P.S. Sign this NDA. <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty much dismissed. I unfortunately did not find very much behind the scenes information, but those co-creators um, have gone on to, to various other shows. So Tim Hedrick, one of the co-creators, went on to write for Avatar The Last Airbender, The Legend I'm sorry, of Korra. What? I know, what a career transition. I was shocked. I click on the guy's name on IMDb and it's a picture of him at Comic-Con because he's talking about Avatar The Last Airbender. He also written for the Legend of Korra and Voltron Legendary Defender. So he went. So from he just went into MTV fucking anime. Yeah, and went into anime, fantasy, sci-fi. Like, yes, very different career. The other one. Guys, don't ever stop chasing your dreams. Yeah. Apparently, I mean, a true a classic example of someone who you know had a mid-career change. I guess I don't. Know. I was it mid? I don't know. <laughs> David Ellenberg went on to produce Shark Tank, Queer Eye, Hell's Kitchen, Hello Sharks, Forty Eight, and Love Island. Hello Sharks. Hello uh, Sharks. Wait, Love Island? Yes. Yeah, oh one my of the god. The co-creators is a producer on Love Island, and then Mike Nichols, not director, <laughs> has gone on to R.I.P. R.I.P. Ghost Hunters, Wicked Tuna, Somebody's Got to Do It, and Ghost Brothers. <laughs> what? Yeah, there's a Ghost Hunters and a Ghost Brothers. Oh no! I just recently know. about that Nick Kroll sketch where he's the the gigolos that bounce ghosts yes. from houses. We gotta bounce these ghosts. That's all I can think about I when miss, you said Ghost Brothers. I miss Kroll show so much. My favorite sketch from that whole thing was Karaoke Bullies, where he played this Ricky Nash character. He's like, this is Ricky Nash. I lost my top forty virginity to a song in 1985 called La Dele, and then he goes after people who are like shoving people off the stage at a karaoke bar but it turns out it's he thought it was karate bullies <laughs> he finds out midway while filming that it's in fact karaoke bullies <laughs> sorry we can cut that <laughs> <laughs> i love curl show i think everybody loves publicity yes but i in particular love the um rich dicks bit <laughs> And also, where they just, like, do cocaine the whole time. It's very funny. Love to do cocaine. And I also love Gigolo House when Chelsea Peretti shows up as Folly. <laughs> it's so dumb. This show is so dumb. Uh, it was so, it was, like, two seasons. Anyway, I, I really Two or three, it. but it's, it's excellent. And then excellent. when they do Pawn Stars, where it's, like, Philly versus yes. Pittsburgh. Yes. Which is hysterical because when my when one of my really good friends from childhood moved to yeah. Pittsburgh, I kept getting it confused, and he sent me that pawn shop stuff. He's like, "Don't get us confused." <laughs> That's amazing. So, so I, have, I have nothing left. So for back dismissed. back to dating dismiss, shows dismissed. that are like real life Tinder. I have the honor of talking about next. Yes. If you were like me, you assumed at some point in your life you would end up on an MTV dating reality show because you definitely didn't make the cut for a coveted real world house spot. So I, if I had to choose out of all of the dating shows and not because, and this will be a personal anecdote later, I worked on 
one episode of Next. But I thought it was always, like, the most fun show because oh, sure. it was clear that you just got fucked up on this RV all day long. It was great, easy, and little commitment. Worst case scenario, you made a friend. Exactly. Or a makeout buddy if it was one of the episodes that featured same-sex couples. Sure, yes, exactly. So everybody gets out ahead. And then the dates were so inconsequential, they were ridiculous. But Next was created by Jackie Pittman and produced by Calissa Miller, both of whom are prolific reality TV yes. producers. Jackie's impressive resume includes hits like Face Off, not the, not, I, I'm going to take his face off, cut around the rim, Face Off, but like Face Off. <laughs> she made the gesture, listeners. <laughs> I did a face waterfall. Uh, no, like the, and I almost said like the drag show, but only because RuPaul's a part of it now face off like the movie magic sci-fi tv reality show she was also on extreme or she was also behind extreme makeover calissa obviously started as a singled out producer but even before that she began her career at mtv during spring break panama city beach she also will go on to create or be a part of other memorable dating shows on mtv like dismiss date my mom and dating brad garrett that wasn't on mtv but i had to include it because it's wild was on tv land no it was on cbs she also went on to produce another dating show where eliza schlesinger was the host also for cbs during her time as like an exec producer over there at one point but the dating brad garrett show directly followed his success on everybody loves raymond it was just it's insane it blew my mind i i couldn't believe that i totally forgot about that point in time where anybody gave a shit about brad garrett no offense i think he's a great actor but i remember there was all that heat on him during everybody loves raymond and then it was like a steep drop off it's very similar to like what's happening to the modern family people but Anyway, this show ran for six seasons from May of 2005 to December 2008. It was only 30 minutes, which take notes of The Bachelor. Seriously, we, we cover two so, hours. I mean, honestly, they get off the bus. They see them. If they are ugly, they're like, goodbye. Like, next. We You're too short. Like, they five say, contestants easily on the season premiere. Especially during the intro. 20 minutes, yep. S- Sloth Girl, you're great, but also, like, next. You yep. know what I mean? It, yep. It's so great. I love how base, like, id level it's on. Yep. Because they show up, and even if you make it past the not being next to immediately exiting the bus, the first thing they do is, like, do you want kids? Like, it just, like, gets right in there. It's, yep fucking crazy but to get into the setup of the show next focused on one bachelor and one bachelorette per episode so there was always a guy and a girl contestant that had a rv full of dudes or ladies or other ladies and other dudes for them to go on dates with in usually a park there was always like a park aspect to these dates or as i noted later on the literal employee parking lot at mtv in santa monica that's how cheap it got Anyway, each would go on blind dates with five other single people, or as many people as they could get through, known as the daters. The daters were secluded on an RV, and that RV was referred to as the next bus. So the main love interest could shout next and end the date at any given time, which is the thrust of the action and the drama and the tense, the tenseness coming from that. So the premise was inspired by its creator, Jackie Pittman, uh, and her own dating experience. She just had noticed, like, I guess when you're trying to date and you're trying to get into a serious relationship you go on a lot of dates and she had noticed that there were a lot of like little things that sort of like set her off and she wished that she could just say goodbye to this person like immediately go on a different date because she just like didn't want to break speed like the 30 minutes pops and circumstances or in like like, oh let's pretend to make like a second fake date and like then i gotta avoid you and then i gotta pretend oh i just saw this text message i meant to send you but i'm I'm out of town for two weeks i'm like oh whoops 
Anyway, so she just thought, if someone disappoints you on a date, you could just replace them with somebody new and just, like, keep the whole vibe going. So on the next bus, and it was always within walking distance of the in-progress date, the daters would get to know each other and engage in bit work that was encouraged by the copious amount of alcohol that was on the next bus. Which you didn't see, if I recall correctly. No, no, no. You didn't see it. I say this from experience. Experience, okay. Yeah, I say this from experience. Like, people have asked me, and I can only confirm. And people who have been on the show also confirm. It's not, like, just a me thing. Right. There were mini fridges, and they were stocked. Why else do you think that you would get them to agree to all the stuff? Usually most people, even people that want to be on TV, right. are a little bit reserved, and they need a little bit of help Fluffing. to feel that. And especially, especially 18, 19-year-olds. I mean, they were definitely serving underage people because there was, like, a mix of ages. But I was always surprised at the people on the older end, like 25-year-olds. Like, I now I am no longer 25. I don't understand the appeal as a 25-year-old to be on the show. I remember seeing some of the, the bullet point bios, like the ones we did earlier on for the 25-year-olds. And they were ones where I'm like, oh, yeah, those are red flags. There's a reason why you're coming on this show at 25. Yeah, a lot of them's like, got caught having sex at my mom's house last week. And you're like, well, great. You're... 25 what are you doing have fun so they would engage in bit work and that's why they would always do those things at like the very end of the next day being like trisha you sold out because i don't know they had like a bunch of sold out signs i don't know it was like whatever was available they were always kind of improvising because you're stir crazy being on this bus for t- probably yeah. seven eight hours at a time maybe more dehydrated mm-hmm. drunk So working from a seemingly random order in the lower third of the show, a dater was called up for their date, and they would meet the bachelor and bachelorette. Within meeting their date, the dater would infamously introduce themselves to the audience, and we get to know them with a memorable three facts, which we will talk about some of the more funny ones later on. When the date leaves the RV... Obviously, the date begins and a timer starts. So this is like another component of next. So for each minute you were on the date, you earned a dollar. That's so, the production value. It went all to that. I mean, but like the max that they could conceivably win, Emily, is like $60. Because it was always like capped at an hour. If you spent more than an hour with one person, they're like, mm. okay, just like make a choice. Hurry up. No five-hour date. No, no one's going to get like 120 bucks. I don't think anybody walked away with more than $100. Because it's all you could probably conceivably write off in petty cash over yeah, the course of a day, I'm true. guessing. No, you're probably right. So, for each minute, and the the fewest amount of money that you can make, like, say you walked out of the bus and you said got next immediately, you'd earn at least $1. But as soon as you step foot and the date began, whether it was a dollar or $40, for each minute that you were there, you accrued a dollar worth of money. And unlike most dating shows where the contestant goes on the date and decides afterwards whether or not they want to see them again, contestants on Next had full control of the date at all times. So if they weren't feeling it, they could obviously just next the person. They could get their $10 and get the fuck out of their face. And rejected daters would always be sent back to the next bus to tell the other daters positive but mostly negative and derogatory things that were driven by the producer to the other contestants so they could cloud their judgment and so it could throw a little wrench and suspense into the editing of like oh well like will he like her even though Todd said that she was kind of difficult and the answer is nine times out of ten was yes so after one dater got next he would basically like tag it was like a one in one out program so if you were eliminated you got sent sent to the next bus you would call the next person to go on there and that's how long it would go on until The date concludes in one of two ways. When the main contestant segues into, so you and I have been on this date for X amount of minutes, they could either take that amount of money and run or go on a second date. 
the tables would then turn essentially on the dater who didn't have control up until this point because it could get next at any chance at any given moment and now could reject the bachelor or bachelorette but sometimes they would exchange the same feelings or they would reject them and be like suck it bitch i'm going a lot of the genius and the addictiveness of the show and it goes down real smooth like i watched i don't even know how many clips at least an hour and a half's worth of five to ten minute clips of next is that it comes down to three things i think it's under 30 minutes so even like a nine minute clip covers at least one full date life cycle it's also sort of like a hybrid of like a vine or like a really good youtube video that like makes you laugh it like gets tiktok margo tiktok i know but so many of these intros i found were on vine <laughs> initially which i thought was wild so i mean maybe it's a good tiktok i don't know somebody asked reese witherspoon but it also has that tinder vibe where like if somebody is over this person immediately they could swipe them for any reason the buzzed up cooped up vibe that the contestants brought and it's laughably low budget being stir crazy, stuck in an RV with only Tito's handmade vodka and four to five other strangers, you're more inclined to reveal things about yourself or like create a bit. Like they would do like weird stunts, they would devise pranks, they would come up with all sorts of like weird things that only strange people who don't know each other would come up with in this environment. And budget, I hardly knew her. They spent fucking nothing on this show on one of the clips that i rewatched, it is very clear that it took place in the employee parking lot but with shitty set deck because you could see the mtv building in the background and just the parking lot there were other cars there like they just cordoned off like a small section of Here's this where the bus goes it was insane and then they just sat there parked in a bus for hours hours and then they clearly cut to a second location that we were supposed to believe was in the same location. But I'm here to tell you that the parking lot of the old MTV studios does not butt up against the Santa Monica Bay in any way, shape, or form. So my personal anecdote goes something like this. I worked one, exactly one episode of Next, thanks to nepotism in its lowest form. Thanks, Mom. And while I was in community college, I had a part-time gig as a assistant to the casting department. It mostly meant that I would like file headshots in binders and organized forms. But somebody in there along the line had taken a shine to me and I had told them that I was really interested in working on set. They're like, oh, you know, the art department for next is looking for a PA. Do you want it? And I said, sure. Yeah, of course. So my mission, the first and only day that I was on set was to drive downtown at probably, I mean, rush. I mean, I guess it's LA, by the way. So from Santa Monica to downtown, without traffic, takes maybe 30 to 45 minutes. And I had a real share. Everywhere in Los Angeles takes 20 minutes. But in reality, that's not true whatsoever, especially when you're talking about the 101. So I was sent downtown to buy a bunch of props and accessories for, and they always had these like stupid fucking theme dates that like meant nothing. Like this yeah. person was like, you could tell that they filled out their in, their questionnaire form and one person just said, I like the Karate Kid. So they made everything Karate Kid themed, even though this person was just like, that's my favorite movie. But they just maybe probably wrote it down because they have better ideas. Yeah. So someone on my episode said, I love Mardi Gras, even though they probably didn't mean it. And the theme of the date was Mardi Gras. So I had to go down there and get beads and feathers and all sorts of shit. So I do, and I go, someone trusts a fucking 19-year-old with a fucking P card, and I go down there, buy a bunch of stuff, and then I get stuck in a bunch of traffic on the way back. I have a walkie-talkie in my car, but obviously I'm way out of frequency, fucking some 12 or some odd miles away, so I don't obviously hear anything until I get closer to set, and as I am 
frantically huffing it back because I'm very aware that I've been in traffic for probably an hour or more and someone is definitely looking for me. I turn on my walkie and some producer or some AD is fucking furious with me. She's like, where the fuck is she? It should take this fucking long to get these fucking props. And I immediately changed channels, pretend like I didn't, heard it, didn't hear anything. And I walked over to set and like started putting things away. And he rolls up and he's like, who the fuck do you think you, like completely launched into me. And I was like, uh-huh, sir. I'm very sorry, sir. He's like, hey, fucking get the fuck out of here. I was like, okay, no problem. And again, because of, you know, low grade nepotism, I didn't like lose my job at MTV. I just wasn't welcome back to next. But before I had to leave for the day to go and get all these props, I saw people taking in cartons of booze onto the bus while they were getting it ready, which they were like getting it steam cleaned and all sorts of shit. Cause like un- unspeakable things definitely happened on that bus yes. beyond just yes. alcohol and bad decisions. Like puke, probably people pissed themselves. I oh, mean, yeah. I, and that bus was fucking trashed inside. So they would just like shellack it over and hope for the best. I, I mean, I also think they went to, through several versions of that bus, so I saw maybe V2 or V3 of the RV, because drunk fucking 22-year-olds are definitely going to destroy it, it's gonna hanging be, on things, yeah. especially when you trap them in there for hours at a time, but yes, that was my brief experience being a art department PA on MTV's Next. That would have been my dream job at that point, though, to work on one of those shows. It was definitely my dream job, and I immediately fucked it up, which, like, is exactly why you should never trust 19-year-olds to ever do anything. But I love that you have the story to tell, because it, it, it makes sense now. I had no idea about the booze. Now it confirms everything. It just, everything makes a little more sense to me now. Oh, I full-blownsy dined out on that story for a very long time in college. It was great. Like, the anecdotes that you could tell just by, like, telling that one story and people are like, oh, my God, tell me more. You're like, I love being from L.A. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a Jack and Coke. This is a bad Hi. choice. Ah, uh, that Randy Newman song you just sang. Yes, you know, just Randy Valley Girl Newman. <laughs> okay, so some infamous intros. So a lot of the intros, as we stated at the top, sort of, like, read, like, two truths and a lie, but on crack. <laughs> Yes. And I feel like a lot of it was producer machinations of like taking disparate things on their questionnaires that they had to fill out and turning them and twisting them into things that they were not. So one of my favorites during one of the clips that I watched was a man or a boy named Kyle who was 19 whose quote went a little something like this. If this girl wants a guy that looks like Luke Wilson without the wiener nose, I'm it. Also, during one of the clips that I watched, the guy who ultimately wins the segment with the bachelorette goes on to tell her that he's quote-unquote mixed with a quarter Native American and quarter African American, but notes that he is 75% white. This is pre-23andMe, and this fuckery was already starting. Those are, and I, as we've learned in previous episodes, I am no mathematician. But those stats are bogus. That math does not check out. But nope. also, she ate it up. She's like, well, I just hope the right percentage of you is black. I was like, oh, my God. There and, were so many clips this, like this, though. And this now. This is a common factor in all of these shows. There is a lot of racist shit that you rewatch now in 2019. You're like, yeah, that's not a funny joke. That's actually horrible. So cheap. And then a favorite, a clip that Emily and I watched together before we recorded Player on the outside, virgin on the inside, <laughs> licensed metrosexual. And I'm uh, just going to run through a couple. I'm going to credit Lane Moore here and her Instagram account of Hotties of MTV Next. I think it started as a Tumblr, and this is just a tribute, but still, it is it is attributed to Lane Moore, period. 
So we have Matt, 22, has a chronic sweating problem, (laughs) offended by people who eat veal, had sex while talking on the phone to his church pastor. Weird flex. Wow. Tyler, 19, eats only organic food. Okay. Trained in martial arts. (laughs) All right. Has a Bible verse tattooed on his chest. Yikes, yikes, yikes. Jenny, 19, can fold her body into a basket. Attracted to Harry Potter. Had sex while her best friend watched. My favorite is the guy who dumped a girl because her breath was, quote, stank ass. And my favorite deranged next one is Stacy, 18, nickname, quote, unquote, hippie. Afraid of goats. Lit her house on fire when she was six. And then my last favorite one is the girl, uh, Keisha, 18, failed her driver's test five times, blew up a microwave, and thought guacamole came from guacs. I I really can't. I mean, the show is perfect, but it's also incredibly stupid. Yeah. These people, I mean, the casting calls. So this is, I have a question for you. Yes. So when I was doing research on Room Raiders, which I'm going to talk about next, there was a lot of people, there were people who auditioned, but it was just a general casting call at MTV. It wasn't a specifically for Room Raiders. Was that the case with Next, or were people auditioning, going to these casting calls, knowing that this was for Next? So I don't really fully know, but from the casting department, that from what I did see, people definitely showed up for general auditions. Yeah. And then casting directors from each show would weigh in on who they think would fit for each show and oftentimes people would fit for two shows but then maybe they only needed one white guy and they needed someone else they needed to like fill a certain demographic or they also did to their credit try to match someone's preference as best they can so I feel like they did a lot of general cattle calls and you weren't ever really quite sure where you would end up until they called you back for a second or they just straight up casted you and told you and sometimes if you couldn't make one show then maybe they would shift you over to your second choice yeah no that makes sense so obviously with with room raiders the big thing and i understand why you wouldn't want to tell people is that they would keep it a secret that it was room raiders and over time i think people got smart and realized oh yeah they're i'm definitely going to get cast for room raiders but in the general kind of casting call you didn't know that you would get placed on Room Raiders, but they did make sure that like you, they knew they would go over at a time when you would be at home. So Room Raiders aired from 2003 to 2009 and currently has two stars on imdb.com. There were several producers on this show, but the main one to talk about is Sarah Nichols, who produced the first 66 episodes of the show. The premise there is that... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Three guys 
or girls are unsuspectingly picked up by MTV and brought into a van. Meanwhile, I mean, it was very much like old school when they kidnap all of the pledges. Yes. Because, yes. I, I mean, especially the first season, if you didn't know you were cast on the show, it was probably terrifying. Yeah, and so I'm going to go into that. It actually ended up not working out really well one time for that reason. Oh, so, yikes. Yeah, so there's a lot of, there were a lot of issues. And, like, re-watching this, I'm like, this is so messed up. So the premise is, you know, they get picked up unsuspectingly and put in a van. Meanwhile, the camera crew gets rid of any photos to reveal their identity. They do what was called a pre-raid. The room raider, the person, the main person that is looking to date one of these people, is tasked with picking a contestant to date by going through their bedroom and their the person's home. The room raider is given a spy kit to be better able to investigate. And this includes tweezers, gloves, and of course the infamous blacklight, which the person would often use on the contestant's bed linens to see if there were any questionable stains. Spoiler alert, there were almost always questionable stains. <laughs> the first episode setting was actually at Tulane University in New Orleans and featured um, as kind of initial introductory hosts, Nick Lachey and Jessica Simpson, to bring it back to our old millennial cinematic universe. Nicholas Shea and Jessica Simpson? I mean, if they're hosting, and this is, I think, very shortly before they get divorced. Oh, um, Lord. Yeah. So there were some... What a time. Yep. So notable episodes, of course. Um, as you all know, for those of you who've watched it, oftentimes the person would find sex toys or they would find dirty magazines or weird costumes or whatever. Um, and there were a handful of celebrity episodes. The one that's most notable is the one featuring a pre-high school musical and pre-gap tooth surgery, by the way, Zac Efron. And this is when he was on that CW show, Summerland, starring uh, Lori Loughlin of SAT <laughs> USC admission scandal fame. Of Varsity Blues scandal Operation fame. Varsity Blues. Of, of <laughs> criminal visor activity, <laughs> Lori Loughlin. <laughs> when the heart... Callers or whatever fired Lori Lachlan. Oh my God. So re, um, rewatch this episode because why wouldn't I? And some of the notable quotes include Zach Efron saying that his dream girl would be, quote, he's like 18, by the way, or 17 in this, a younger Catherine Zeta Jones. So that, <laughs> so that pretty much makes me a younger Michael Douglas. He says this. And I don't think he's mean? even 18 or barely. Do you think Zach Efron is into the movie Disclosure? <laughs> Probably. He also says that a negative. He wants to date a younger. That is fucking hilarious. And also explains Vanessa Hudgens. It so explains Vanessa Hudgens. That's so fucking and funny. He also uses. Um, so obviously, one of the weirdest things about this show and a lot of the MTV shows is that they, they have to come up with pros and cons for why they would want to date someone, why they wouldn't want to date them. And sometimes, you know, some of them made perfect sense. Like, oh, this person looks like they're a smoker, so I'm not going to date them. But then there are some where it's like, what? What? So he says, in this episode, Zac Efron says a negative quality for one of the girls is that judging by her giant trophy from a middle school science fair, she might be too much of a brainiac, and he's worried she'd spend too much time on schoolwork. What? He also eliminated a girl because she had too much hair on her hairbrush. Oh, so my God. I, I'm, I'm hoping that Zac Efron's dating <laughs> criteria has gotten better over the years. Well, it is pretty convoluted. <laughs> like, all of the reasoning is usually pretty convoluted. It's always weird things. 
Some of the observations, really, for me, were that the way MTV would abruptly pick up these people involved a guy usually wearing a hoodie and sunglasses banging on someone's door of their house and saying, you're on room raiders, there's no time to do anything now, get in the van. And they would, like, shove them in the van. While the contestants were obviously somewhat clued in that something was going to happen ahead of time. Like, not that they were on Room Raiders, but, you know, they knew that they were going in for an MTV casting call. If I'm an MTV producer, I'm reconsidering the way I want to stage these pickups if the narrator says, quote, the girls have no clue they're about to be abducted. Literally says this in an episode. I'm like, this is to catch a predator. This is a crime. This is a crime. And naturally, of course, this once upon a time escalated. It turned out to be an issue that almost resulted in a contestant's parent pulling a gun on the crew. Sarah Nichols, that producer, said that one time they came in and grabbed a girl early in the morning. And because her family didn't realize it was Room Raiders, naturally, her dad ran after her and the guy and had a holster on with a gun. And then they had to, like, calmly talk him down and be oh like, sir, God. we're from the MTV show, your, your uh, Room Raiders, that your daughter has auditioned to be on. No. Yes. Someone should definitely never be shot over this show. But it, you know what? In this day, this is what in you a get. world of stand, on, stand your ground laws, that shit would have happened. In California? Yeah, that's true, though. I mean, they were mostly California, and I think some of the filming was, like, upstate New York, like, probably, like, outside, you know, like, Long Island. I guess they would do, like, spring break editions where they would go right. to different colleges. And they did go but... to other colleges. Um, so, yeah. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Other observation. If the contestants in the van are guys, one of them is always shirtless. This is a (laughs) tried and true formula. (laughs) There's always one that's shirtless. So behind the scenes, a little bit of fun facts that I found out along the way. We talked about this during the Laguna Beach Hills episode, our first episode. But the Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake halftime show, um, because MTV sponsored it, the show resulted in a lot of controversy for MTV and as a result MTV had a lot of repercussions. With Laguna Beach it meant that they could no longer film at the high school and with Room Raiders it meant that after season one they were no longer allowed to use the black light. So I remembered Room Raiders as being like the black light was like the hallmark thing like that's gonna be pulled out at any moment like but no it was only after it was only the first season which I guess kind of makes sense because you know, when I got to college, I watched it a little bit, but it was a show that I mostly watched in high school and early college. So they had to get rid of the blacklight, and then they also would blur out any sex toys that they would find. And if anything was, like, really shaped anatomically correct, then they would, tr- like, try to avoid it altogether. Um, and so there was a pre-raid process that the produ- production crew did before the show to ensure nothing illegal ended up on the show. So they were looking for drugs, weapons, like anything that just would be a no-go. And they one time had a family that had kept a bobcat as a pet. So they what found the a fuck? bobcat. Yes. What? Yes. And I bet you that shit's illegal in California. 100%. If fucking ferrets are so, illegal, Emily, so a bobcat to, is going to be illegal. They keep the bobcat in another room for the oh, whole filming. This is literally a plot from Archer. What the yes. fuck is happening? Ridiculous. Except swap Ocelot with bobcat. This is insane. <laughs> the original pitch of this show had when they pitched it to the producer. Did it not have bobcats in it? Unfortunately not. 
but it had an ending as the winning contestant and the room raider would have a sleepover. That was like the end prize. Ew. Right. And they were like, With um, a stranger? And this is before Teen Mom. I think they realized after that this could lead to some things. I mean, Teen Mom, like, we don't, this person's a fucking stranger. Yes. What are you stranger, talking about? MTV doesn't have the budget to fucking care no. about your date. They're not going to have the budget to do a background check. For all you know, this could be a Megan wants a millionaire situation again and have a serial killer sleepover at your house. No, it probably would have happened. Also, this did it's not... It's a numbers game. It is. <laughs> this didn't surprise me. The contestants were picked out, much like I said, out of a general casting call. And so unsure of the show's premise, they would have absolutely no idea that their room would eventually get raided. They were just kind of um, kept on hold to be like, oh, will you be in town the weekend of blah, blah, blah. Oh, creepy. Yeah. They only picked middle and upper middle class contestants so that the viewers who are mostly tuning in after watching TRL could see themselves reflected in these contestants, teenagers of the upper middle class and middle class range. So they generally kept it to families of that wealth bracket. Um, And then while things weren't staged, so they didn't add things to people's rooms, the producers found if they found anything that was salacious, so like porn, but any, you know, still legal. During that pre-raid, they would casually kind of place it on top of a stack of magazines or put it kind of more in plain sight so if someone was raiding the room, they could easily find it. Um, And that happens a lot. Like, you know, they just, like, happen to turn around and, oh, there's the porn magazine. Like, it's just that kind of stuff. The legacy here. (laughs) The show could never be rebooted, as is the case with most of these shows, if not all, because social media would make it obsolete. These teenagers cast for the show would have been able to Google the audition process and know exactly what they were getting into and be able to see, you know, what other people said, know that they were cast on Room Raiders, and so they'd be able to edit out their room. And honestly, most of the stuff people want to hide these days, like porn, is all online. So everything that would be kind of salacious or whatever, a lot of that's going to be online. So unless it was, like, browsing history raiders like they're just not going to be as entertaining not as compelling no, or no. catchy really but sarah nichols the original producer went on to produce gas no girls extreme guide to parenting and sing it on which is another uh show reality show that a lot of people from um calissa miller yep calissa miller produced it and a couple of the people from date my mom did as well <clears throat> and that's what i have to say about room raiders while moving seamlessly from B&E to stocking, <laughs> I present to you tail daters. There is next to zero information and even finding clips that were bearable to watch because they found some clips of tail daters, but a lot of them had a strange humming sound in the background oh, that yeah. I could not get around. I watched a couple and like really tried to grin and bear it, but it was hard. But here's what I do know about tail daters. Ja Rule and Ashanti led the show in via the hookup. I initially said I don't know her, and then I did like 2.5 seconds worth of research and realized the hookup was their Saturday night programming, a la DJF. Tail Daters ran from May of 2002 to 2005, TBD what month. And further into my YouTube research, I discovered one couple, Barry and Chris, they met in 2003 on the show, went on to get married in 2010. It was very cute, but also the song choice. Okay, so this was uh, I will I will back up a little bit. So I was trying to find these clips. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? I found one episode with Forrest and Michelle, which it was later found out allegedly that Forrest and Michelle were dating in real life, but like went on the show for exposure or something. It doesn't really matter. So in this like clip dive, I found another clip that was and Forrest was the one that posted it. Like I was on an episode of Tail Daters, and here it is. 
So this was another one of those, like, I met my future wife on Tail Daters. Here's our episode and our story. And it was John Legend's, like, Perfect or whatever. not Whatever that wedding, that song oh. that everybody uses at their wedding. All of Me? I think I am thinking of Bruno Mars. Oh, yeah. Ever see a face. Yeah, 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 just the way you are. I fucking hate that song. And... <laughs> That song plays over like a clip show montage of their date when they met on fucking tail daters. It's wild. She meets him, Barry meets Chris, and immediately kisses him. And then, and then it was off to the races from there. And then it segues from uh, that Bruno Mars song into that John Legend. All of me. All of me. Where he is proposing on, in the water on the beach to Barry seven years later. Wow. He's literally on one knee in the ocean holding a ring, which I was like, that is even more sus than my friend that got engaged on Splash Mountain, which I was like, that gives me anxiety. Do not put valuables in near water. What? Water don't fucking play around. What are we doing? (laughs) Anyway, so he's like proposing to her. And then it was like another montage of like pictures from them, like, like immediately post being on tail daters, like, together and watching their whole relationship. Unfortunately, the music choice was a bit of a hurdle for me, so I was, like, fast-forwarding a bit. But, I mean, I did initially get very choked up, but then as the music got worse, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I gotta go. But I cannot believe this trash-ass show produced one successful marriage. That's amazing. Especially considering the setup. Per the show's opening credits, what if you were sent on a first date with your closest friends, spying on your every move, watching you live from a stakeout bus, paging you with their advice, but never exposing who they are until the end of the date. I present to you, Tail Daters. A lot of it was shot, or at least the beginning of it was mostly shot in and around hotels in Santa Monica, close to the MTV offices, which were, if you are from the area or know the area well, kind of near... J.J. Uh, Abrams' Bad Robot. So it was all in that vicinity. So it was a lot of like corporate hotels where I also used to do a lot of drugs. The graphics <laughs> package is wild for tail daters because they're all living inside of beepers, like I mentioned earlier, where it's like a weird hybrid of the wire, but like make it jaunty for white teens. It's like really bizarre. <laughs> and like even for 2002 to 2005, it felt dated. I don't know anybody that still had a fucking pager in 2002. No, unless you're a doctor. Exactly. Unless you are a doctor, there is no reason why your friends would be paging you romantic advice. And even then, don't let your friends page you romantic advice if you're a doctor. That seems very irresponsible. But the way that the intro was sort of shaped in the beginning when you like meet all of the players was equally as baffling. It, also, the graphics package was like part beeper, part Oregon Trail, where you would have the chapter title two little square boxes like the Brady Bunch and then four other square boxes on the left or right hand side that were supposed to represent the the people that were in the stakeout. It was incredibly confusing and abrupt as the show went on, especially thanks to like the formatting and the graphic design work on this show. So it was always like cutting back and forth, but you always felt like you were walking into the middle of a conversation. Like it never felt like you were seeing the full picture. Everything felt really truncated yes and really abrupt and like the reactions were never like i felt like the daters reactions never really quite matched up to what you were watching with your own eyeballs and like all other mtv reality shows it sort of followed the same rhythm of like they met in a hotel courtyard 
or if you're next, like you just met, and then you go directly into some sort of obscure activity, whether it's going to a fake yard sale or you're learning judo or whatever, you would immediately go into an activity, which is supposed to quote unquote, bring you together. And then you would have a limo ride fueled by alcohol, which is another MTV hallmark. Then you would change and then you would go to dinner. And before dessert even arrived, you had to decide if you guys liked each other enough to go out again. And once you decided that, then your friends immediately slash tail daters immediately bum rushed you to like expose themselves not like that but expose their identities so remind me it wasn't just friends though there'd be like exes sometimes yes so but that was always convoluted like in the forest and michelle episode it was allegedly his ex-girlfriend and like even though they had broken up and she was allegedly over it she confronted them in the middle of their date like right around the time that they kissed she's like well fuck you like i thought we were in love he's like we broke up get out of here (laughs) and then another tail daters you episode. You sound like a cast member of the Californians, like Stewart. He kind of was like that because he's like dating. Like I just play acoustic guitar and have a goatee. I don't know if she's into me. And then their friends had to constantly text them to like flirt. I'm like, if your friend has to tell you to flirt, this date fucking should end immediately. Clearly, you're not into each other. You gotta work on your. There was another tail dater episode where the dude was just like trying to bone at every conceivable point and he had an ex fleeing as one of his tail daters and her lower third set had sex with him 48 hours ago and i was like what is going on in the no, show it's no. disgusting that i is like some <laughs> bachelor in paradise stagecoach music festival stagecoach the musical but sequester them in a corporate hotel near the airport Similar production style to Next in the sense that the locations were super low budge and clearly everything went to buying them alcohol that's all I really have about Tail Daters. Again, it was very hard to figure out anything about it because the info was sparse. Even though it ran for a while, I think it was sort of a similar situation to Dismissed where it ran for like maybe one or two seasons and then it disappeared. And then right before, let's say like a Room Raiders was going to premiere because I feel like that was its only kind of competition or like similarly themed show. Yeah. They aired a whole bunch of stuff because they're like, well, we we already have it. We can only make money yeah. if we air it. So they just aired it. And it was sort of a sub, it was a subpar offering out of everything that they had. And I think it was supposed to launch with this, the hookup that didn't last either. So it makes sense. It's interesting to me, like while we were doing research for this, I was surprised to not find as many oral history. Me too. In a world of like everything gets a think piece these days, which believe me, I love, I know you love it too, but I'm so surprised that for everything they wrote on Laguna Beach and the Hills and like all the other MTV shows that were on around the same time, there really wasn't anything about the dating shows. And what's really interesting is that they or even like had, a lot of MTV yeah. reality shows outside of like the Ashley Simpson right, show. They all I had, thought it was something that had like a celebrity yeah, component. Yeah, so they all and what's interesting is they all had the same production crew or very similar. Like there was a lot of crossover there, so it would make it very easy to write pieces. I read a lot of think pieces that were like history of dating on TV since like the 50s where they talked about like singled out and also talked about the dating game and like the newlyweds and all that. But well the most information that I got about Jackie Pittman and in regards to Next was from bizarrely a third party loan like venture capitalist blog because she was talking about how she became just sort of like her path to becoming a producer. She initially had like she had met somebody when she had changed careers into producing reality TV from scripted 
like around the time that the writer's strike was happening, she met, I forget what his name is, I'm sorry, like an older established reality producer. Right. She started out as like his assistant. He went off to create his own production company, took her with him, and together they did Extreme Makeover and like a couple other like more mainstream yeah. ones. And he's also behind Next 2 in addition to Face Off. And then, so she talks about how she left him at some point after like all of the MTV stuff and started her own production company. And once they started to become successful after 2007, she wanted to have some third party funding thanks to this like loaning company to like sustain her small production company and keep it all afloat during the notoriously slow season, which is like December, January. Yeah. But the only reason why I knew anything about her, because I tried to look into more Calissa Miller stuff because I was very fascinated because she has like a very yes. crazy, not crazy. But like has like a very prolific and but there wasn't much uh, on her. Nothing. nothing. It was really there the were, most info I got on her was stalking her fucking LinkedIn. There were like press releases when she went and like started a new job or something like that. But yeah, it yeah, was like when she started that, at CBS, that yeah. was a lot of press about her then. But it yeah, it was really sparse. hard to it was hard to find any real yeah. background like how did this get made kind of stuff, uh, other than the stuff that I know personally. But uh, and that's even thin clearly. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, again, like, the one I'm about to talk about now is Date My Mom, and that was one where, again, I really thought there would be a whole lot more, because to me, this one would never get made in 2019, and two, just like the concept. Oh, for sure. The parent shows are probably the weirdest ones, just because, like, sure, the other ones, I mean, those are pretty weird, too, like the ones that are borderline crimes, but this one, I mean, it's just the way these parents talk about their children is unhinged. Like, very strange. And no more did I feel this when watching Date My Mom or rewatching it. It aired from 2004 to 2006, and it currently has one star on IMTV.com. Uh, the executive producers, of course, included Calissa Miller, who was also an executive producer on Next, as we talked about, as well as has gone on to be a producer on Exposed and Sing It On. Co-created by Howard T. Owens, who also co-created Parental Control, and will go on to produce Kath and Kim, The Biggest Loser, Sheer Genius, and all the spin-off reality hair shows that Tabitha was on on Bravo. Really? Master, yeah, MasterChef and the Film Jackie. I loved Sheer Genius the Whoa. first season. That got me to cut my bangs one one oh. night because it is cheaper than therapy, as we've talked about. Yes. Um, it was directed by Adam Goldberg, who was a cinematographer on The Ashley Simpson Show and Till Death Do Us Part, Carmen and Dave, and was also a director on Next. So a lot of crossover very similar premise as room raiders but the main difference is rather than using rooms to determine who you're gonna go on a date with you're using moms on the show the premise was pretty simple each episode had a main person either a straight guy a gay guy or a lesbian um, they never had any straight girls and and so they would go on three dates with three moms and based on what they said about their daughter or son they would pick the person they want to date the dates ranged from simple lunch dates to cheerleading, car washes, picking wildflowers, cooking, sports, and in one episode they even got tattoos, and it just kind of depended on the person's likes and dislikes. The big reveal would happen at the end in the most weirdly staged thing, where the main person would bring back all three moms and announce who they had picked and who they had not picked. And of course they'd do the first two people that they didn't pick. And each time they'd say, I don't want to date your son or your daughter, um, or I do want to date your son or daughter, the mom would then introduce the kid, and the big reveal would happen when they would come out of a tinted window limo and just open the door. It's like, here's my hot daughter, Shauna. Like, and it would be that 
person would come out of the limousine. At the end, the mom, the main person, and the son or daughter they picked would join hands and run off together with a picturesque beach in the background of the sunset. And then the mom would send them off with the new couple and wave them goodbye. And it was just a very, much like the other shows, just very formulaic. Some thoughts I had while rewatching clips of Date My Mom. This was incredibly painful to rewatch because one, it's clearly scripted, obviously, in that campy way. Um, and as the various contestants say these incredibly cheesy things, like some people are better at it than others. Like I think some people know what's up, they milk it, and I appreciate that. Others, it's just like falls so flat. Or it's like pulling teeth where you're yeah. like, oh my God, take one improv class. And this really did feel like the most scripted of the shows I had to watch for this episode, probably because of the intergenerational banter. Because it's not just the oh, banter God. on the date. It's also like the, oh, mom, what do you think? Well, honey, I think you've got a great rack. Like that, they say the most uncomfortable shit. Well, per parental in control is like that too, where like the, the intergenerational banter is hard to watch it and it's forced so forced and so after all three dates the moms would reconvene with their daughters or sons they were all so confident that they had it in the bag they're like oh yeah honey no problem here he's cute and we're going to get him and then my favorite quote there's an episode where a mom goes on a date with a woman who's uh, and her daughter is one of the potential people that this woman would end up with she talks about her daughter's curves in the following way, along with like using like hand motions to just, just describe how curvy her daughter is. She says that her daughter, quote, has a big rack and an ass to match. Cool. Ugh. You just can't hide those suckers. Nope. <laughs> Joe Simpson. Classic. I feel like that's literally what they went for. They're like, wow, that made people feel uncomfortable but slightly nervously laugh. How can we can that into a 30-minute reality TV show? How do we show? make this happen weekly <laughs> at the expense of normals? As one BuzzFeed writer put it best, there's a reason hometown dates are only one episode of The Bachelor. <sighs> this would never get made in 2019 because of the uncomfortable pimping out that takes place that just already was very uncomfortable in 2005. Surprisingly, or not surprisingly, does not age well at all. Anyway, that was date my mom that's all i have i wish there was more honestly i had forgotten about date my mom at all because i feel like next in parental control i guess are the ones that i remember the most vividly and i'll get into why i remember parental control even at all but date my mom as you were describing it came clearer into focus and as you were describing i was like this is real gross it's disgusting and the other thing that i hate the most about this show and this happens with all these shows but it's particularly bad well it's a lot of my like mom. my parents fucking hate right. my taste in other people right. and so the but the one other thing i don't like is that they made people who are less attractive like a butt of the joke so oh. these casting calls there's all this like one of the the funnier episodes of date my mom would be when the guy or the girl picked a person who ended up being conventionally less attractive than the other people. And you see their reaction shot. They're like, oh, no, gross. I've got this uggo. And it's just like. <laughs> Sorry. No, I was Uggo hilarious. is funny. Yeah, I know. It's hilarious, but at the same time, so just horrible. Like, I mean, know? it's not hilarious to make a person no. the butt of the joke for looks reason. Right. For, I looks, for looks reasons. But, I mean, it was very of its time, though. It's so of its time, and it's interesting. And especially on these shows where, as, and you would look back on, like, a rock of love or something where it's like, yeah, she's got a rockin' butt and 
uh, she's got a That's horse a great face. Brett Michaels. Thank you. And I feel like, why are we saying all this about women when you wear a bandana 24-7? Like, right. let's just equal out the playing field a little bit. And that was the thing. It was never towards the guys. Like, I think the worst that I ever saw guys, you know, deal with on these shows, on Room Raiders, someone was like, whatever, you're a dork. Like, something really... Not great, but not, like, nowhere near what the Well, calling someone a dork is not, like... Yeah. Is not sort of, like, parental control where one mom was like, he's fat and he's lazy. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Right. No, but it's, like, that kind of thing where, obviously, I there's no way in hell these shows would get made because, like, no one would let that fly. In the, in our, and in I our think world. a lot of it is the delivery, too, yes. because they don't even believe half the shit that they're saying. So no. it makes the shitty thing that they're saying even shittier because you're like, well, why bother saying it? Just... Don't say anything if right. you don't care. Right. Yeah. What simple. a wonderful segue into parental control, which is a lot of parents shitting all over their kids' taste. And also kind of like shitting all over their kids. Sometimes it was a lot of like, she deserves better, he deserves better. Yeah. But a lot of it's like, Susie's a fucking moron for dating Tim. And you're like, whoa, relax. Susie's 19. Let her be a dipshit. It's not a big deal. She needs to go out with a Tim to realize that. That she needs like a Colin or whatever it is exactly. that you want. Uh, parental control was created by Bruce Classen, and it ran from February of 2006 to 2010. Again, not a ton of info, and also not a ton of early season clips available outside of season six and seven, which I thought was strange. And all of season six and seven are on MTV.com, but anything earlier, I had a fucking horrible time trying to find it. Because, as I will talk about later, I have a personal connection, and I was trying to find the episode in which I know the person who was featured on it, and I couldn't because it was from... 06 or 07 some, sometime around then the dark ages when they decided not to put any of the show up on the internet so what premiered as parental control in february of 2006 is very different than what premiered at mtv's spring break in 2005 in the og version a girl interviews five guys and after five questions for each person or an activity of some sort so like equal per, it was like a bogo deal like an equal value kind of situation her father will eliminate one of the contestants, and this continues so on and so forth until only one contestant remains. So it's a little bit misogynistic, like, oh, daddy knows best, kind of like a gross-ass uh. shit. That's, I mean, I don't remember this MTV Spring Break from 2005, but I don't like this dating show. But in the version that we have come to love and know, the parents are the ones that are unhappy with their child's current significant other. The parents interview and select prospective partners who vie for the affections of their child that they want to replace their significant other their child goes on a date with two of the people that their parents select and it's one for each so mom's pick and dad's pick and they go on a date with each of them and it obviously all seems to happen over the course of 12 hours so like they go on like marathon dates while also being told that their significant other ain't shit ain't ever gonna be shit and you shouldn't date this shit so their child goes on two dates with one select from each of their parents, and then the child has to decide whether they want to keep their current relationship, stay single, which all of them should just stay single, yes. or choose one of the new prospects. During the date, the parents and the current partner sit together, which I thought was like the most absurd part of the whole fucking thing. Like, why would you want to sit with people who also hate you that you also in turn hate? 
And they would sit with the current partner, watch, and comment. And a lot of it was, like, the mom or the dad being like, suck it, fucking loser. Yeah, like, you're out of here. See, that's a gentleman. Get Look your what, shit and get the just, fuck out. He just opened a door for her. He or, said, what a, what a good guy. What a keeper. Or if it was the reverse, and it was, like, a son going out on a date with chicks, and it was the girlfriend that the parents had. Be like, see? See, you're sluts. You're like, you don't give it up because that's what sluts do. And you're like, oh, my God. Look, she's wearing a skirt that touches her knees. Like, yeah. that kind of shit. She's a good Catholic girl, and you're just a whore. You're like, oh, my Lord, these people. And, like, luckily the daters wouldn't be able to hear any of this, but we as watchers have to fucking be subjected to this. Uh, so as the date unfolds, we have to watch and check in on all of this. And there's no, like, beeper communication, like, in tail daters, thank God. But when the date ends, the child has to select their new partner amongst the field of competitors versus their current partner. They have to pick in three rounds, essentially. It's like, okay, out of your partner and these two prospects, who do you, which top two do you pick? And it's like, current partner and prospect or like two prospects but like that never really happened it was always like significant other that i'm currently dating and like one new person and then they would have to go out on dates again while everybody judges and watches and all this other shit and then eventually at the very end it come down to the significant other or a new prospect and usually the current boyfriend or girlfriend are the ones that are selected which angers the parents in some instances the child chooses like one of the parents choices resulting in like the significant other leaving angry and like a bunch of like faux confrontation kind of happening and then the last option that almost never happens unfortunately for the rest of us is that the person decides to be single which is truly probably what's best for them yeah. like its predecessors it went the longer that it went on the more overly produced parental control started to feel and in 2017 mtv attempted to revive it along with wild and out which i do believe they did revive but i don't think that they did revive parental control luckily they made are you the one sluts edition this year and it's perfectly trashy tv it was like gender fluid gender queer yeah. gender fluid are you the one and it was a mess it was amazing everyone was just like drunk and crying and fighting it's like what bachelor in paradise wants to be i feel like it took all it takes all of the the best parts of the formulas from the mid 2000s shows and puts them in the right place and updates it for like what should work in 2019 agreed and on to my brief personal anecdote, my best friend's ex-boyfriend, Johnny, was featured on an episode of Parental Control, not as the subject that the parents wanted to get rid of, or even the person, the, the child in question. He was like one of the potential daters, and I will never forget, I was house-sitting my godmother's house, and I came home late and walked in, turned on MTV, and was like getting ready for bed, and I heard a very familiar voice because... Johnny dumped Marianne unceremoniously in a letter, and he and I had a very famous confrontation in the quad where someone had to literally pull me off of him during a fight. And so I heard his, <laughs> and so I know what his stupid voice sounds like. And so I turned around and I saw him in a dumb JBHS red polo shirt talking about his morals and his values. So I tried to find this episode, but mind you, Johnny was known infamously for being, like, a very paranoid, like, the government's out to get me person, like, before it was trending. Conspiracy theorist. Like, he refused to have a computer in his house because he thought that, like, that's how it starts. And, like, he didn't want to get into the Matrix and all this other shit. So he would always make Marianne, like, print out all of his stuff because he was just, like, so Ah, kooky. A pre-info wars. Oh, my God. I bet he's such a huge fan of Alex Jones now. Oh, my God. Actually, he, like, married an Australian woman, like, in a 90-day fiancé style and, like, has a bunch of kids now. But I can't confirm any of this because he's not on the internet. But I couldn't find this clip, but he, like, with his roided out neck, because another story was that on the night of our prom, he was apprehended for buying illegal steroids. So... (laughs) 
There are lots of stories about this man. So I saw him and his roided out neck get eliminated from even like the prospect of being somebody to be dated. But he was one of those dudes that like had really weird canned answers. But they were very like, they were very like America first. And you're like, oh my God, fucking calm down. (laughs) You could see the alt-right boiling up, but that's my personal connection to uh, parental control. Also, Marianne and I got into like a brief text kerfuffle where she's like, no, 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 he was definitely on next. I'm like, no, he fucking wasn't on next. I'm telling you. I saw him in a Brady Bunch like square, like in parental control. And so if you look in an old parental control like intro when they do the little squares where they're like folding in on each other over like the voiceover intro of what the show's about, you can see him in his red polo and his giant fucking block neck in one of the like left squares. What a time. What a time to be alive. What a time to be watching MTV. I kind of wish it was like this now, but I'm glad that they have stuff like Are You the One? I feel like it's a, nat- a natural evolution. Yes. Um, sort of like an anamorph. Like, this is like its final form is in Are You the One? Come one, come all. Bang each other on this beach. Drink a bunch of shitty Patron. Yeah, and I think the one on Netflix, which I think is called Dating Around, I feel like I, t- I think my tweet said it best. Dating Around is for people who grew up on MTV dating sh- reality shows, but also took a film class and with that thanks for listening thank you to our episode and coming to our TED talk <laughs> about mtv dating reality shows you can find us on facebook at the old millennials pod and on instagram at the old millennials pod you can follow us individually on twitter i am at marg she wrote and i'm at emily a Beijing. and if you enjoyed what you just listened to then please go back and listen to some of our other episodes and tell your friends and rate and review us and subscribe because it helps other people find this podcast. And until next time, next! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.